You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 89. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. The Lord said this parable, The kingdom of heaven is like a householder who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a few denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing, and he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the householder, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. So to begin today, I'm going to start out by playing devil's advocate and take the position that I really don't care for this parable very much because I think it's inherently unfair. Please tell me why I'm wrong, Father. (laughs) Well, I can't tell you that you're wrong about the fairness or the unfairness. I can only tell you that if you're a follower of the Bible, you have to change your understanding of the importance of fairness and unfairness so that you align with the biblical text rather than trying to change the biblical text to align with your thoughts. And that's a good point, Father. Could you maybe uh, expand on that? Yeah, a couple of things that I'd like to say about it. First of all, we have to get out of this mindset of human fairness and human justice. And we're trained from a young age to think in these terms, and most of the time that's a good thing for human society. But it can become problematic, especially from the standpoint of trying to transcend normal human behavior and to become like God. Could you maybe explain that a little further? Sure. Here's the best way that I found to explain it. I believe it was St. Isaac the Syrian who once said, and I'm paraphrasing here, God is not just, for where is the justice in the only sinless one dying for the sins of others? Now, of course, this is not to say that God is unjust, but rather that God exceeds justice, emphasizing a higher virtue of mercy and compassion. And this uh, is the scriptural teaching, as we know. Uh, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. According to St. Paul's teaching, most especially clear in Galatians and Romans, We know that according to the Mosaic law, all human beings, save Jesus, are condemned because we all have sinned and fallen short of that law. But God was merciful. He applies mercy and not justice. 
So the just thing would be for all to be punished, to stand condemned. But God desires mercy above all else. And so that's part of what we're seeing in this parable. Sure, some people figure out earlier in their lives, others later, but the point is that even if someone figures out the gospel message later, there is the opportunity to repent. Father, that's a a good point, and I definitely see how our thinking needs to change and how we need to be open to salvation for all, even the worst sinners, and even those who perhaps don't immediately repent and accept the gospel, but... Even so, it still seems unfair or unjust that everyone receives the same reward according to this parable. So how can we better understand it? Yeah, good question. And and you're really getting into the second point I wanted to make when we talk about better understanding, quote, fairness, when we speak about the gospel. And again, I'll share with you the only way that I've found helpful in explaining the situation, not to say, uh, you know, others can't do it better or differently, but to me, the thing that makes the most sense, the only thing that makes sense to me personally in how to understand the teaching is that we have to understand that salvation is like an inheritance. Yes, you've, you've mentioned that before, and I think it's really helpful to think of it that way. And as I recall you speaking about this, you mentioned that an inheritance by definition, can never be earned, but it can be lost or can be taken away. Yeah, precisely. When you receive an inheritance, it's by definition someone else's money or their property. Therefore, you have no claim to have earned it. It's their possession. They decide to give it to you as an inheritance out of the goodness of their heart. And normally, of course, it's parents giving their inheritance to children, so we can stick with that example. You never earn your inheritance because you would even have life were it not for your parents, let alone all the things that they did for you throughout your life. So you can claim nothing over them in the sense of earning what was theirs. But while you cannot earn the inheritance, you very well can lose the inheritance. So let's just say as an example that I develop a a gambling problem. Well, my parents start to see me waste money at the casino and ruin my life. So they might change their mind about their inheritance. They may limit my inheritance or decide to just cut me out completely of their will because they don't want their possessions, their money given to me and then thrown away at a casino. So they instead give it to others who would be good stewards of their inheritance. And in this case, then, I've lost my inheritance. But if I do receive it, it's not because I earned it. It's because my parents were gracious to me. And so how does this example apply to today's parable? Well, it's very simple. We see from today's parable in your reaction, which is the only logical initial reaction any human being would have, we see how prideful we are at the core. And what I mean by that is that we hear today's parable and we think it's unfair. And we think it's unfair because we think that we who have come at an earlier hour should receive a greater reward. But the master says, no, that's not how it works. Well, we think we deserve this greater reward because we inherently think we're better and more worthy of the gift of eternal life, of our inheritance, than those who came later to the party, so to speak. And so we're not just satisfied that we get an inheritance. We think we earned more. And this is wrong-headed and exposes our underlying pride and arrogance. And instead of thinking this is unfair, we should be thankful, first of all, that we even get something that we haven't earned, that we have an inheritance in the first place. And then second, that God is so gracious that he would even give this same gift to others without even taking anything away from us to do so. Great points, Father. So I think of, if I'm hearing you correctly, we might explain it this way from your previous example. 
that it's like salvation as an inheritance uh, that this parable is explaining. And so, as you said, there's no one who earns their salvation. It's a gift from God, but we can lose it. So the people coming at the first hour, it's, it's sort of like the people who get the gospel message and have been faithful their whole lives. And in your example, it's as though they've always been respectful to their parents. They take care of them as they get older and so forth. So the parents are not going to withhold the gift of an inheritance. Mm-hmm. But those who come toward the end, it's, it's sort of like, uh, let's say, they are the prodigal son. They haven't always been good to their parents. Maybe they were the gambler you talked about earlier. Maybe they wasted their money, and so the parents wrote them out of their will. But perhaps right before the parents died, they went and got help for their gambling problem and quit. And so the parents decided at the last minute to put them back in the will. Is that an accurate way to sort of paraphrase the parable and and the way that you're trying to help us understand it? Yeah, very good, very good. That's certainly a nice way to explain it. And the the use of the term prodigal son, actually, uh, I like that use because this parable is teaching the same message. And as the older brother, or as the one who came at the first hour, it's the same situation. Why worry about fairness or justice? You know, why think that you should get more? Can't we just be happy that God gave us a gift in the first place? And can't we be happy that others who, you know, maybe didn't do as well throughout their life as we think we did, who did not repent as soon, can't we just be happy that they repented And we're also given an inheritance, again, without taking anything away from us. And so just, you know, one thing to add uh, while talking about this, uh, one slight difference uh, than a normal inheritance. You know, unlike a normal inheritance, you know, where the parents die, say they have $100,000 to split among four kids or $1 million or any number you want to put on it. The point is, it's a finite number. The point is that in an earthly inheritance, the faithful person would receive less than they were expecting if you add another person into the inheritance because you then you, then you have to split up this finite sum. Uh, but in this case, in the case of the gospel, in the case of salvation, the inheritance is infinite. So in other words, God being gracious to others doesn't take anything away from you. You're no worse off because of it. You still get what you were expecting, which is why today's parable made reference to this negotiation for the amount, and then the master isn't taking anything from you to give to another. You will still get what you were expecting. And this gets into the story that we briefly discussed, I think it was last week, where the Gentile woman says, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. She was making the point that by including the Gentiles, it was taking nothing away from the Jews. And so it is with those who come at the 11th hour. They take nothing away from those who came at the first, the third, the ninth. And so there's no reason for us to be upset or to worry about what we often call fairness. We should just be thankful that God was merciful to us, that he gave us an inheritance in the first place, and then be joyous that his mercy will be shown to others as well. Very good. So my final question today, when I read this parable, I'm always reminded of the sermon that we hear at the Paschal Divine Liturgy each year. Was St. John Chrysostom stressing the same point that Jesus was making in today's parable? Yep, absolutely. And, and what Chrysostom is saying is to those who fasted the whole time during Great Lent, who went to all the services and, and so on and so forth, he's saying, don't stand here in judgment of the others who didn't do it. 
your reward is sufficient. So there's no need to worry that others receive the same feast as you at the Paschal Banquet. Just enjoy it, be thankful and appreciative, and invite others to join you as well. Thank you, Father. Today's parable led us into a discussion surrounding fairness and justice. We are taught from an early age about the importance of these concepts, and often these ideas of fairness and justice are good for society. But when considering the working out of our salvation, these concepts can become problematic. Here we see that God is not simply a just God, but that he exceeds justice and emphasizes higher virtues of mercy and compassion. Father Aaron reminded us of the notion of viewing our salvation like an inheritance, which is something that cannot be earned, but can be lost. And applying this idea to today's reading, in which our initial reaction might be one of indignation, and thus revealing our pridefulness, we should realize that in receiving salvation takes nothing away from us when another receives it as well. For our inheritance is infinite, and there can be no division when others receive it as well. Rather than standing in judgment of those who we view as unworthy, we should be thankful to have received so great a gift from our merciful and compassionate Lord. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God. Oh, our God.